Good morning. So glad to see all of you in church today. So excited that you are here. I want to handle a little bit of housekeeping just kind of right up front. Uh, Pastor Ivan referenced it, but this past Friday night, we had night of worship, and it was an incredible time uh, with the Lord, an incredible time in God's presence to be able to pour out worship before Him. And I want to just start out by saying a big word of thanks to all of you who helped make that happen. So we have never, we've never hosted anything for the Total Church here at the Mount Olive location. And uh, as a matter of fact, most of the events that we have where the whole church is invited because we are one church in four different locations, Smithfield, Goldsboro, Princeton, and Mount Olive. Most of the events are held at Princeton because it's the largest location. So it's the first time we've ever done anything like that. And uh, it took a lot of people, volunteers, mostly you guys, to pull that off in the parking lot, media team, ushers, uh, kids ministry, all that kind of stuff, worship team. So a big thank you to all of you who were part of that. Let me just share with you briefly a story that came out of that night. Uh, Pastor Allen, this, I'll, I'll just summarize, Pastor Allen spoke about chains and how we make choices that lead to habits and how those habits can become chains in our life. And, and what are we going to be chained to? Are we going to be a slave to sin or are we going to be a bond servant to Christ? Are we going to be chained to Christ? And there was a young lady who uh, was here that night sitting just a, a couple uh, seats down from me, and right after the service, she made a beeline for me, and, and Pastor I, uh, Alan and I were able to pray for this young lady. She's, here, here's what she told me. She said, Pastor Andrew, that's me. What, what he talked about, and she's saying this with tears in her eyes. She said, what he talked about, those bad choices that lead to bad habits, she said, I've, I've made bad choices. I felt like I couldn't even raise my hands tonight. She said, I, I saw the way that everybody was worshiping, and I just felt such guilt and such shame for the bad choices that I've made and the bad decisions that turned into bad habits. And Pastor Andrew, I don't know what to do, but I, I want to leave those chains here. I was like, are you kidding me? Come over here, baby girl. We will pray. And so we got a couple people around her. We prayed. And just this incredible presence, this incredible spirit, as, as she was broke free from the condemnation of guilt, as she was no longer a slave to sin anymore. And then, one more thing. So a, a couple people passed her. There was another young lady who's a student here at UMO. And so I'm just kind of one. She doesn't come to church here on Sunday. Sunday, but, but she decided to come to the night of worship that night. And so I don't know why. Normally when I'm in worship, I sit on the front row because I don't want to see what y'all are doing. I want to just have a time with me and Jesus. And if I see what y'all are doing, I might be trying to figure out what in the world are they. And so anyway, and I know you guys may be trying to figure out what I'm doing because I got a couple little moves that I do. I got my hands, then I got the helicopter thing. And so I know, I know you're looking at me, but but so I said on the front, anyway, God drew me to her at, at one point during the service. And she is singing like this. No expression on her face, but her mouth is moving. She's singing. And tears are streaming down her face. And I looked back two songs later, and she is still. 
I love that. Hey, listen to me. We don't have to worship the same way. As a matter of fact, one of the things we're saying in this sermon series is that we're all made and wired differently. And so it's not about worshiping the same way, but it is about having a genuine, authentic experience with a holy God that loves you and wants a relationship with you. And so if you were at night of worship and served in any way or capacity, thank you for that because you made it possible for some people to experience life change and for some people to experience the presence of God. All right, so that's the holy side of what I want to say about night of worship. Here's the, the other side. So we got this sweet LED wall, and it looks so good, and we're not keeping it because that thing is thousands of dollars, but we rented it for the weekend. And, and so Friday night after the night of worship, it hit me. I'm preaching Sunday, where am I going to stand? Because for some people, it doesn't matter. Even during the video, I tried to stand over here, and then I realized, poor Tim and let you, Mary, y'all can't see. So I don't know. You may have to get out your app today. You're not going to be able to see. It's just going to be like a total eclipse, just going back and forth. So anyway, but excited that you guys are here and pumped about the wall. All right, let's get into it. So we are in this sermon series called niche and uh, during this sermon series what I've been saying is that we are trying to find God's purpose that there is something you have a spot there is something for which you are best fitted there is something that is your sweet spot there is uh, something that God has called you to and here's the way I've been saying it God has designed you on purpose for a purpose I hope that those are not just words on a screen. I hope that those are not just words in your notes. My prayer is that during this sermon series, we internalize that. That God has designed me, not, not just Pastor Andrew, not just the people who are up here on the stage leading worship, not just selected people, but God has designed me on purpose for a purpose. And, and what we're pinging off of in that is Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10, which says, For we are God's handiwork. We are the work of His hand. We are His masterpiece. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He prepared in advance for us to do. So, so in other words, God who is sovereign, who sees the beginning from the end. God saw the good works that He had planned for you, and He saw them in advance. And then as He made us, as He was forming us with His hand, He gave us all of the things that we would need to be able to excel at what it is that He was calling us to do. That's good news. Have you ever gotten into a job, maybe you were trying to fix something, and you get midway through the job, and you realize, I don't have the tool I need to do the job I came to do. Yeah, if you've ever gotten in that situation, you know how frustrating that is. Well, God didn't leave us in that place. We are designed on purpose for a purpose. I, I think about a tailored suit. 
If you've ever seen a gentleman who has a suit that has been specifically made for him, went to a tailor, they got all the measurements, the height, the width, everything is just right. That suit looks good on that guy. Why is that? Because that suit was made with that gentleman in mind. It was made specifically for him. So if somebody else tries to put that suit on, what's going to happen? It might fit. They might be able to wear it. But you will be able to tell it wasn't specifically made for that person. The point I'm making is that God has a niche for you. There is something like that tailor-made suit that God has in mind for you. And so then the big question becomes, how do I find, how do I find my niche? How do I discover what that is? So in week one, we looked at the first indicator, the first clue, if you will, and that is natural abilities. Natural abilities. Here's the question. What am I good at? What is it that God has wired me and designed me to be good at and what we learned in that first week was that the average person possesses between 500 to 700 natural abilities there's a lot of things you're good at whether you realize it or not and 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 listen it's natural these abilities are natural so a lot of times we don't even necessarily know what it is that we're good at. We don't even realize. So the, the, uh, the homework for that week, for a lack of a better word, the homework was go home and list some things that you know you're good at. Go home and list some natural abilities and then ask someone who you're close to. Ask a friend. Ask a coworker. Ask a spouse. Ask someone you trust Hey, man, what's it like on the other side of me? What am I good at? What are some of my natural abilities? And as we lean into that, we get the first indicator of what it is that God could be calling us to do, what it is that could be our niche. Then in week two, we talked about individuality. Individuality, my personality. How did God wire me? And let me just go ahead and say, Pastor Ivan preached last week and did an outstanding job. Can we just give it up for Pastor Ivan? Are we grateful for him? I want to tell you, I'm grateful for you, buddy. I'm grateful for your preaching. I'm grateful for your announcements, your hugs, all that good stuff. So anyway, but last week we talked about individuality, and we talked about there are personality profile assessments. The one that we are using uh, as a church is DISC, and uh, we talked all about that last week. There are others, though. There's Myers-Briggs. There's the Enneagram. There are a lot of different assessments out there to help you understand how God wired you. I'll just tell you, it was about a year ago this time that I took the Enneagram for the first time, and if you have never taken the Enneagram, that one was eye-opening for me, so good to, okay, now I know not only how I'm made, but why do I do the things I do? And then I got my wife, Nicole, to take it, and so it was just really eye-opening. The reason why all of that matters, the reason why we are leaning into that individuality is because God made you a certain way. For some of you, you're extroverted. You like people. 
For some of you, you're more introverted and you like being alone and you recharge best at home or by yourself. So it's kind of neat. So last week, I'm, I'm sitting in the congregation and Pastor Ivan's preaching and he starts talking about feelers. These are those people that just take on uh, the hurts of others. These are those people that are just very compassionate, those kinds of things. And then he talked about doers. These are your get it done people. Even if you leave, you know, carnage in your way, they're just, they're doers. And it was so fun because I heard the buzz around me. I kept hearing people whisper, what are they doing talking? And then I realized, oh, they're realizing what their personality is. And if they don't, the person who's sitting beside them is like, that's you. That is you. Do you know that's you? Do you know you're a doer? You know, and so, and then the funniest part was when he started talking about talkers. And, and he referenced that people who are talkers, you go into the grocery store for one item. And you're there two hours later because you just, I saw people I knew and we were just talking and we just. And it was at that particular point, my wife was sitting right beside me and she turns around and she gives the skunk eye to her mom (laughs) who was two rows back and everybody around us laughed. It was like, oh, Nicole, what are you doing? I love that. Here's. Here's why I love it. I love that we are discovering how God wired us, but if it doesn't move forward past that into finding our niche so that we can promote the cause of Christ and propel the gospel forward, then none of it is of any use. All of it centers back to we're we're learning more about ourselves because God made us on purpose for a purpose to accomplish his purposes so now what i want to do is i want to show you that actually what we've been doing and i'm just going to be in somebody's way so sorry about this but now i want to show you that what we've been doing this whole time is an acrostic because hopefully we want this to be memorable for you and so when you let me just do my best vanna white impersonation and so today i'd like to talk about (laughs) charisma probably shouldn't touch that thing today we want to talk about charisma I need to do some explaining here because I'm not talking about someone in a three-piece suit who has their hair combed back and too much hairspray and is really good at selling cars. I'm not talking about charisma in that sense. I'm talking about charisma in the terms of spiritual gifts. So you may just want to put some parentheses, spiritual gifts. Let me tell you why I've used this word. So charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, charis, is a word in the original Greek language of the New Testament, and it's often translated as grace, kindness, favor, or blessing. So that's charis, and it means goodwill that is not deserved. In other words, something very good given to someone who is undeserving. Charis. And so if a Greek speaker wants to talk about a specific instance of charis, then they put the M-A on the end, charisma, charisma, which is where we get our word charisma from. But then in the Greek, it goes even a step further than that. And so if you want to talk about the plural form of a specific instance of grace, then you add T-A, so it becomes charismata, and charismata means free, undeserved 
gifts. And if you study theology and went to Bible college, those words are used interchangeably. Charismata, charisma, spiritual gifts, those kinds of things. I see the look in your eye, and I know you're not going to remember all that, but that's okay. Charisma equals spiritual gifts. Let me let you guys in on a little bit of behind the scenes. So I thought about cutting that whole little part out, and I thought, no, that's not going to make any sense if I don't say that. So I wanted to say it. And then I did what no preacher should ever do. I went and found a study about how much of a sermon people remember after the sermon's over. And I've slipped into depression, and I'm going to need some prayer. Here's what I found. Brain Science did a study, and they found that one hour, one hour, people, that means when you leave church and you go to the restaurant, and by the time you pay your bill, you have forgotten 50% of what was said right here this morning. That's sad, okay? I'm a little sad right now. I'm not really sure what to do next. So 50%. Then I kept going. So 24 hours after you heard a sermon. So tomorrow at this time, you will have forgotten 70%. And it gets even worse. One week from now, by the time you come to church next Sunday, you will have forgotten 90% of everything I have said today. I need the prayer warriors to come around me, right? (laughs) No, I'm not depressed, but here's, if there was ever a case for note-taking, good Lord in heaven, that's it right there. Because here's what happens, guys. These sermons, so for instance, you hear a sermon on forgiveness. Well, maybe there's nobody that you are harboring unforgiveness against, right, at that moment. But then, even if it happened next week, if one week later you need to forgive someone, you've already forgotten 90% of everything I said. So I want to encourage you, take notes because note-takers go to heaven. Amen? (laughs) That may not be doctrinally correct. We'll sort all that out later. All right, let me give you a definition for spiritual gifts. I want to make sure we're working from the same sheet of music, same foundation. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability given to all Christians to do God's work on earth. So a spiritual gift is a supernatural ability. It means it is God-powered. It is God-powered. You you ever been to the airport and you gotten on those walkways that are going, and so when you step, you're just flying... You're walking, you're exerting the same power that you would normally, but what happens? The people who aren't on that, you are flying by them, and you're not working any harder. It is because there is an outside force that is aiding you. So spiritual gifts are kind of like is a supernatural gift. It is a spiritual gift is a supernatural ability given to all Christians to do God's work on earth. So there's uh, there's the definition. Let's go now to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me go ahead and tell you, if you want to mark that chapter, we're going to be back and forth there all day, and that would be a fantastic thing for you to read this week just for further study. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is all about spiritual gifts. I'm going to read verses 4 through 7. It says this, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. 
There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And then verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Couple facts I want to bring up just from these few verses right here, okay? The first fact I want to draw your attention to is that everyone has a spiritual gift. I know there are some people who have more than one, and you might be in that category, but everyone has at least one. So you don't have to wonder, wait, did God somehow skip me? Did somebody else get a double portion? No, no, no. Everyone has a spiritual gift. Here's the second fact. You can't earn your spiritual gift. Remember the the root word of, of spiritual gift in the charisma? It is that word grace. It is free, undeserved. You you do nothing to earn these spiritual gifts. God gives them to you so that you can do His work on earth. So you can't earn your spiritual gift. Here's the next fact. You don't get to choose your spiritual gift. Now I know if you could choose, maybe you would say, oh man, I, I wish I could. I would choose a different one. I understand that. And, and here's the reality. There are some spiritual gifts that get more praise from man. There are some spiritual gifts that just naturally put you in front of people. But we don't get to choose which spiritual gift we have God chooses for us. Or should I say, based on what these verses tell us, it's the Holy Spirit. That, that God knows the good works He's called us to. And so then, He, through His Holy Spirit gives us a gift or gifts plural so that we can accomplish we can have that supernatural ability to do what it is that he's called us to do and then here's the last fact i want to give you spiritual gifts are nothing to be afraid of we don't we don't have to be afraid of these things these are things that god wants us to have now, I bring that up because a few weeks ago I was talking uh, with a gentleman who had come to church here, and he, here's one of the things I realized. I, I realized that in our services there are people from every walk of life and background. There are people who have been going to church for 50 years, and there are people who have been going to church for five Sundays. Th- there are people from more liturgical backgrounds. Uh, more quiet, uh, you know, hymn kind of background. And then there are people from more charismatic, Pentecostal, Church of God type backgrounds. And and so the people who are from those more charismatic backgrounds, you guys are thinking, hey man, what we did Friday night, let's do that more. Let's throttle up, baby. Let's go after it. And, And then for those of you who are from more liturgical backgrounds, maybe you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't even know what to think about what we do. So there was uh, a gentleman, he came a couple weeks ago. I see some of you smiling because you're like, that's me, pastor. There was a gentleman, he had come a couple times with his family, and uh, I asked him, I said, man, tell me what what you think about the church. And what I meant was, have we been hospitable? Have you found everything? You know, our... Do you agree, you know, theologically with what we're saying? I meant that kind of stuff. Here's what he said. 
said, Pastor Andrew, I'm, I'm a little scared. Who scares you? I mean, I, that's what I thought. You know, is it Brooks in the parking lot? I'll have her taken care of. Who, who scared you? He said, no, no, it wasn't a purse. It's just, you know, I'm not used to this. <laughs> kind of waved his head. I'm not used to all this. Now, for some of you are, you're comfortable. Maybe this is your background. But he said, it scares me a little bit. I said, you mean like culture shock? Or he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's a better word. Here's my point, guys. Here's my point. God gives different spiritual gifts. And I'm getting ready to go through a list of some of the spiritual gifts. And and for some of you, you're going to be very comfortable with, with any expression of the gifts. And for some of you, maybe not as much. The thing I want you to understand is that your heavenly Father who knows you and who loves you more than anyone on earth could ever love you. Your heavenly Father has given these gifts for two reasons. One, every spiritual gift is designed to point people back to Jesus. That's that's the whole role of the Holy Spirit. That's His whole role is to point people to Jesus. To point people to Jesus and what He did at Calvary for us. But the second thing spiritual gifts are designed to do is they're designed to edify the body. And so if, if you have seen a so-called manifestation of the Spirit or a spiritual gift and it didn't point people back to Jesus or edify the body, it was flesh. It wasn't a spiritual gift. But your Heavenly Father has given true spiritual gifts again for those two purposes, to point people back to Jesus and to edify the body. So let me give you an example of spiritual gifts and what that looks like. Romans 12, 6 through 8 tells us this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift, if your gift is prophecy, prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give, uh, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. In Scripture, there are a couple different lists of spiritual gifts. There's three lists of spiritual gifts. I'm going to read two of them to you. This that I just read you is one of those lists. And again, it's found in Romans chapter 12. And right here, I see seven spiritual gifts i underline those and if we went too fast on the screen you do have that in the app but there are seven spiritual gifts now let's go back to first corinthians chapter 12 which is where we've been today and let's look at another list beginning in verse 7 it says this now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good Let me stop right there and say that what I'm about to read to you, these are called the manifestation gifts. And you see it right there. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. So these are manifestation gifts, and these are the ones that have people a little on edge. But again, they're nothing to be afraid of. Verse 8, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Are you picking up on a a theme there? Paul keeps referencing in this list that it's all given by the Holy Spirit. And so, 
It's all, no matter what gift you have, there is a common giver. And, and it's not just whichever gift you want or anything. It's all from the Holy Spirit. Verse 10, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between the spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Now, in this list, again, I underlined different gifts that are specifically mentioned. I told you there are three lists. The other one is found in Ephesians chapter 4, and then also other places in Scripture, there are gifts that are implied. So, for instance, in the New Testament, Paul implies that there is a gift of celibacy and there is a gift of martyrdom. Those aren't the ones people pray for, I'm sure. But, but there are these other gifts that are available. Now, depending upon who you read behind, m- most all theologians would agree that there are 18 spiritual gifts, but some go as high as 31. I tell you all of that to say, Maybe you have seen your spiritual gift already listed out. Maybe you haven't. It is my belief, and I want to be very clear to say, I don't represent the church in this moment, it is my belief that in Scripture, these lists of spiritual gifts are not exhaustive. It's not meant to encapsulate every single spiritual gift that is available to a believer. I'll give you an example. So one, a spiritual gift that I would say is absolutely a spiritual gift would be leading worship. Leading worship. That's not one that is specifically mentioned, but i got to tell you, I've been in church for a long time. Nine months before I was born, I was in church, and I've been in church ever since. And I've seen all different kinds of worship. I've seen Southern Gospel. I've seen quartets. I've seen contemporary If you've been in church for any length of time, you know what I'm talking about. There are some people that are gifted to lead worship. Would you agree with me on that? Just nod. That'll make me feel better. Okay. There are some people that are gifted to lead worship, and it's got nothing to do with talent. In in fact, I, I have seen people who are incredibly talented. They can sing. They're incredible musicians. But they weren't gifted worship leaders. And then I've seen the inverse. I have seen people who didn't necessarily have the best voice, couldn't play an instrument maybe, or couldn't play it well. But when they led worship, it was like, I never want to leave. This is just a foretaste of heaven. If heaven is like this, then I don't want to leave this place because this is amazing. But it wasn't because of talent. It was because they were gifted to do it. I'll give you an example in Scripture. So when King Saul, at one particular point during his reign, he was tormented by evil spirits. That's the word that Scripture uses. He was tormented by evil spirits. He tried everything he could to get these spirits to leave him alone. And yet the only thing that would help him was to have David come and play the harp. David was a gift. He was gifted at leading worship. He was gifted at ushering in the presence of God. And when the presence of God would come in, the evil spirits would leave. Here's the deal. So whether you saw your spiritual gift already or not in these lists, whether you find it in Ephesians 4 or other places in Scripture, let me give you now three things God wants you to do 
with your spiritual gift. All right? My note taker's ready. That's underwhelming. All right, remember, (laughs) three things God wants you to do with your spiritual gifts. Number one, discover them. God wants you to know what they are. I mean, doesn't that just stand to reason? If God's given you a gift, He wants you to know what the gift is. He wants you to discover it. So go back to 1 Corinthians 12, all the way back up to verse 1. Here's what it says. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, hey, you've got a spiritual gift. Once you become a believer, once you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you enter into a relationship with Him, He has given you a supernatural ability. He's given you a spiritual gift, and I want you to be informed about it. I want you to know why you have that gift. One, so that you know how to use it, and two, so that you don't misuse it. So I want you to know what that is. A study a while back found that 80% of churchgoers said they had no idea if they had a spiritual gift and if they did what it was. 80%. It's amazing. Four out of five people who would classify themselves as a regular churchgoer have no idea what their spiritual gift is. So we want to discover those spiritual gifts. I told you in each step of this series during Niche, uh, we're going to do a take-home portion. There's something you can do at home to continue on, to continue interacting and discovering or finding your life's purpose. And so today, one of the things we can do to discover that spiritual gift is there, there is a, uh, an assessment called a spiritual gifts assessment or a spiritual gifts test If you go on our website or you go on the church app and you click on that logo, it'll take you right there. There'll be a link and you can take a spiritual gifts test. Let me be very transparent with you. Are those things always right? No. No, they aren't. So here's the next piece of the pie. Here's the next part of discovering your spiritual gift. And that is we pray. I mean, it almost sounds like too simple, doesn't it? We, we pray. And it can be something very short, very simple. God, I see in your word that you've given me a spiritual gift. I'm a believer. I'm in fellowship with you. I know you. And you've given me a supernatural ability. You've given me a spiritual gift. Would you show me what that is? Because I, I want to do something with it. I, I want to be informed about what that is. Can I just tell you, church? That's a prayer God answers. Because God wants you to know. He wants you to discover that thing. And so when you leave today, again, that spiritual gift assessment is available. And, uh, and you can pray as well. And we're going to be in this altar after service. And we will be happy to pray with you as well. All right, so the second thing God wants you to do after you discover them, number two, is to develop them. God wants you to develop your spiritual gifts. How many of you know what muscular atrophy is? If I could see your hand, if you know what muscular atrophy is. Okay, a lot of you. Some of you just, you know. All right, so muscular atrophy. Basically, here's what it means. 
If you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't use that muscle, you lose it. You've seen this, whether you realized it or not, you've seen it because if you know anyone who's ever had to wear a cast, there was one time I fractured my elbow, I had to wear a cast for several weeks. Well, at a certain point, the orthopedic doctor goes back in, takes another x-ray, sees that the bone is healed up so you can come out of that cast. And what happens? When he takes that cast off, it looks like those arms belong on two different bodies, doesn't it? Because one looks normal. One looks muscular. I mean, it, it just looks normal. The other one looks small and frail. And it's, how did this happen? Because if you don't use those muscles, you lose them. Well, in the same way, spiritually, in a sense, that happens as well. Paul, who is... Older, he's, in, he, he's the uh, mentor in ministry to his young protege, Timothy. And, and Paul writes Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, and he says this, Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received. Hey, Timothy, don't neglect that. Don't just let it be dormant. Don't, don't let atrophy set in. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you receive through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Come on, Timothy, you remember? You remember when they laid their hands on you? You remember when they prayed? And, and Timothy battled fear. Timothy battled uncertainty. And, and so I'm sure Timothy had some strong personalities around him. And he was gifted to do something. But he wondered, should I? Am I able? And Paul writes to him, he says, use that. Operate in that. Because, sir, if you don't use it, it will begin to wither on the vine. So develop those spiritual gifts. Let me give you the last point. Number three, use them. That's exactly what we were just saying. It ties in so well to point number two, use them. I almost made all three of these D's. I almost said discover, develop, and deploy, but I just thought, no, I want to be super clear because they'll forget 90% of this by next week. Use them. Let me tell you a little story. Several years ago, when Nicole and I first got married, <clears throat> we had moved into our first home together. An exciting time, but we were poor, and I mean who were and so we moved into this home but it was we were doing all these projects on it it was this old farmhouse so we're trying to do all these projects but we were so excited to move in we made the mistake let me save some of you right now do not move into a project finish the project and then move in because it takes you so much longer so anyway that's just a that's a that's a, that's for a series on marriage right there so anyway but we moved into this project house. We didn't have blinds or curtains up, anything. We had the sheets pinned into the window sills because we're still getting everything done. Everything's in boxes. It is nuts in our house. So one night, we lay down. We are fast asleep. I don't even know what time of the night it was, but it was several hours later. And, uh, and I heard a banging on the back door. Now, let me tell you how loud this banging was. 
I normally, when I go to sleep, I am such a heavy sleeper. Nicole will wake up the next morning, she'll be like, babe, did you hear that thunderstorm last night? And I'm like, what day is it? You know, I don't know, I didn't hear the thunderstorm. You didn't hear that thunder, you didn't hear that lightning, oh my goodness. Can't believe it. But this banging on the back door was so bad, it was so loud. I wake up, I'm scared to death. Stuff's everywhere. We're in the house, but it's not a home yet. We don't know where stuff's at. And so frantically in the middle of the night, I'm trying to do two things. I'm trying to protect my new bride, and I'm trying to find a weapon. (laughs) And it just so happened that there was my baseball bat from Little League, my metal bat, probably about that long, but I was marching through the house, heading to the back door, just knowing, well, this is it. This is where I die. (laughs) With a bat that's not even, you know. Anyway, I fling that back door open. There are two cats. So we had a cat at that particular time because it is amazing the things love will make you do. So we had a cat, and there was a stray cat that had come by, and the stray cat and our cat had gotten in a fight, and our poor cat, and there was this metal screen door, and our poor cat was backed up against the metal screen door getting the business. As soon as I opened the door, the cats ran away. I am scared to death. I don't sleep another wink that night. And so I rolled over at one particular moment during the night. I said, babe. I have got to get a gun. We, I do not need to bring a baseball bat to a gunfight anymore. You know, I need to be able to protect you. We've got to get a gun. So that Christmas, that was in August, September time frame. A couple months later, we go to the gun store. We take her brother with us. He's an Army infantry guy, so he's telling me about the, all the stuff with the gun. I don't know. I'm just like, so this one shoots, right? Let's get one of those. <clears throat> kill a cat perfect that's all i need that's horrible no i love cats i just realized i'm alienating about half the crowd here so get the gun that first christmas she buys me the gift of the gun he buys me ammo then it gets sent around to the next christmas and he is so jacked again did i mention he's an infantry guy he is so jacked that i have a gun now he buys me more ammo and then the third year he buys me more ammo and it comes up that year at christmas hey man have you cleaned your gun do you need help do you know how and i'm like well i probably don't need to clean it i hadn't shot it I don't know what blasphemy is to an infantry guy, but I'm pretty sure that was it. And so, here's the point I'm making about that gun. And let me just catch you up to present day. So it's been eight years, and I've shot the gun twice, okay? So going out and shot target practice with it, messed around with it on two different occasions. Here's my point about this gun. This gun is unused, and it's hidden. And now, especially that we have kids, it is hidden and it's locked. But let's just, it's unused and it's hidden. Guys, for far too many of us, our spiritual gifts are the same way. They're unused and they're hidden. And and if I don't 
get you to do anything else today if, 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 if there is no other response to this message other than you go home willing to discover your gifts and willing to have the conversation about developing them and using them, then I count today as a huge win because if, if that study is right, four out of five average churchgoers don't even know what their gift is. Let me read to you one more scripture. It's 1 Peter 4.10. It says, as each, one has received a spirit, as each one has received a special gift, employ it. It means put it to work. Do something with it. If you're an employee, you know your boss is putting you to work. Well, well Christ here, the, Scripture commands us, as each one has received a special gift, and so that's all of us. If you're a believer, that's you. You've received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The reason why this is such a big deal is because you have a niche. God designed you for a specific thing, for specific good works. He has something He wants you to do. And the reality is the church is incomplete without your gifts. This local body of believers, if God has called you here, then this body of believers is missing your investment. We are missing, if you are not actively engaged in, in serving the Lord, in using that spiritual gift. And remember, spiritual gifts do two things. They point people to Jesus and they edify the body. So it's, it's not primarily for you. God's given you a gift to love on others, to serve others, to use for the edification of the body. So the church, the body of believers here is incomplete without your gift. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let me just finish out that chapter. The way Paul concludes is he gives this analogy. He talks about how that we are all body, we, we are all parts of one body. That, that's, that's literally the example he gives, that we're many parts, but we're one body. And so the tongue doesn't say to the eye, the eye doesn't look at the tongue and say, we have no need for you. No, that's not what happens. When we come together, we each bring something and we're better together. Chains fall off when we're together, like happened Friday night. People encounter the presence of God. People get to see the unseen God when we're together because He works in and through the body. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. And so again, the church is incomplete without your gifts. I want to just throw this out there again. We do something here at the church called Test Drive. And so you can volunteer to come and shadow an area of ministry without any obligation to jump in. You can just come and observe. Then, if that is for you, you can jump on the schedule. You can, and most of the schedules are once a month. That would be a fantastic way for you to help, help you discover that niche. And it's, it's this easy. 
write test drive on the back of that connect card that you still have in your hand. When we leave, we're going to put our tithes and offerings and the connect cards in the, uh, the offering pods at the door. And you can just put that right there. You say, well, Pastor Andrew, I'm still discovering my niche. That's okay. Try some things. You'll discover what your niche isn't. And it may be that you'll discover what your niche is. But the reality is, when we leave this earth, there's going to be an audit in the sky. What did you do with my son Jesus? That's the first question we're going to be asked. Did you know him as your Lord and Savior? What did you do with my son Jesus? And then what did you do with the things that I gave you, the gifts that I gave you? Will we be found faithful? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, this is serious stuff, and we thank you that, um, that your word is clear on this matter. It's amazing to think that, that you love us so much that you wanted us to have a gift. Not just the ultimate gift. I, I mean, the ultimate gift is you sending your son that we might have eternal life with you and abundant life here on this earth that we could respond to what it is Jesus did for us. That's the ultimate gift. But God, you are so generous and so loving. You didn't stop there. You gave us another gift, a spiritual gift. God, my prayer is that we wouldn't be the average churchgoers. That here at the bridge, we would discover our spiritual gifts and that we would use them for your glory so that we could see many, many people come to Christ and so that we could see the body of Christ here in Mount Olive be healthy. God, I pray for each and every person this year that as they leave this place and they begin to interact with you in prayer, And as they begin to take these assessments, that you would make it clear to them what their spiritual gift is and that they would be able to find their niche. That they would be able to find that thing for which they are best fitted and for which you have made them. God, we praise you and we love you. Pray all this in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.